it uh, came to my attention this morning that our uh, sister in Jesus Christ, Lula Mae Lackey, passed away early this morning. And so I hope that you'll be in prayer for uh, Ron and Linda Boone and uh, for the rest of the family as um, they are uh, mourning her loss. We are grateful that she is safely with the Lord in heaven, but it's very hard for those who remain behind, and so please be upholding them. I um, have here in my hands some thank you notes that the church received during the course of uh, 2017, and um, one is from someone who visited our church uh, in preparation for a funeral that was coming up. And she writes, in the midst of my sadness, I appreciated that the pastoral staff brought the word when hope was needed most, and I was welcomed by the congregation when I wasn't feeling outgoing. I feel blessed that your staff and congregation reached out. And then I have another one here from a family who uh, lives in Texas, and their home was badly damaged by the hurricane there. And our church was able to help them by um, helping them purchase a generator so they could have power to begin working on repairs before the power was restored to the community as a whole. And, And they write, with thankful hearts, we send you this card for all your support through our time of need. It was greatly appreciated. And then a third note is from someone who needed uh, lenses in his glasses. And uh, he writes, from my heart, in the name of my wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, I want to say thank you for the gift to help me get the lenses for my glasses. First Baptist has truly shown me what the body of Christ is all about. I praise his name for being able to read properly again. Thank you. You may remember that through the autumn and winter, um, whenever Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Cameron or I have spoken, we've been speaking from the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians is actually a thank you note. It's a thank you note from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Uh, The Apostle Paul was a missionary, and the church in Philippi sent a gift to help support him in his ministry, and as a result, he wrote the book of Philippians to them. And so we're going to be actually wrapping up our study of the book of Philippians this morning. And so if you'd like to open in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and in Philippians chapter 4, we'll be starting in verse 10, and we'll be reading through the end of the book in verse 23. And I'd actually like for us to read that particular portion of God's Word in unison this morning. And of course, reading in unison means we need to read from the same translation. And so uh, for those of you who didn't happen to bring a New King James Version this morning, which is what I happen to be using, uh, we'll have the words on the screen. Um, And so uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And let's, let's try to read together in unison here. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, 
and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you've recorded the things that we need to know for us. You've put them all down in black and white so that we can read and reread and think about and study them. And, and Lord, as we look at this particular passage this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts and that we would receive the things that you have for us from this particular portion of your word. I ask in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in verse 10, as we're looking at this thank you note that the Apostle Paul has written to the church in Philippi, we can notice several things about the support gift that he received from the Philippians. We can notice, first of all, in verse 10, that the Philippians had previously sent one or more gifts to him because he mentions that their care for him has flourished again. And, of course, something can't happen again unless it's happened previously. And so he's saying, you know, you guys previously helped me out, and now you're helping me out again, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, we can also notice in verse 10 that it's been a long time since the last gift came because he says that their care for him has flourished again at last. And the at last implies, hey, there's been a long wait here. You sent a gift, and then there's been a big gap, and now at last another gift has arrived. And we can notice thirdly in verse 10 that this long pause in their giving wasn't the result of any indifference on their part. Paul says that they surely did care, but that they lacked opportunity. And we're not exactly sure what the nature of that lack of opportunity was. Um, you know, it's possible that, but not likely, that Paul was getting so much money from other churches that he didn't need it, and so the Philippians couldn't give him anything because, hey, you know, Paul's flush right now, so we're going to wait until some time when he really needs it, and then we're going to send it. Uh, that's possible, but I don't think that's real likely. 
um, it's possible they didn't know where they needed to send their gift. Uh, Paul, he moved around quite a bit, and it's like, well, we know Paul's out there somewhere, but we don't know exactly where he is, so we can't send the gift until we get a fix on his location, and, and then we'll get that gift sent out. Or uh, perhaps they were experiencing a period of extreme poverty themselves, that the persecution that they experienced from time to time was more intense, and, and for a while they weren't able to get the resources together, and then finally... Um, the situation stabilized a little and they were able to gather the resources and send the gift off. Um, perhaps they lacked opportunity for some other reason that I'm not able to think of, but in any case, they did lack opportunity for a while and now they're finally able to send another gift to help support the Apostle Paul in his ministry. And so uh, verse 10 then tells us that that gift caused the Apostle Paul to rejoice, but verses 11 and 12 tell us that that rejoicing was not as a result of any part, any sort of desperation on Paul's part. And so they say, um, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so the Apostle Paul had mastered the virtue of contentment. He was able to be content no matter what his circumstances were. And so he didn't have this urgent, desperate need for the gift to arrive, and that's why he's happy that it's come. He could sit down to dinner, and he could have a chipped mug with water in it and a crust of dry bread and he could be happy or he could sit down and have this really you know great uh, holiday type meal and and he could be happy without being overcome with a feeling of self-sufficiency and um, this is really an extremely difficult thing to do uh, most of it most of us find it difficult to cope with extremes of poverty and wealth and that's why in Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of our God. Now, most of us know that poverty is a challenge. And, um, you know, if we've been through some hard times, we've struggled with those a little bit. Um, but we don't realize quite as well how wealth can be a challenge. We're kind of like Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof, and someone says to him, you know, money is a curse. And he says, may God smite me with it, and may I never recover. And, uh, and you know, we're kind of like that. We think, you know, you know I don't really want to struggle with poverty, but hey, you know, if God wants to uh, try me with a few billion, I'm up for it. Let's go for it. Um, and uh, we just uh, don't understand that extreme wealth can be a challenge also. But when Christy and I lived in Norway, we, some, we saw some of the dangers of uh, material security. It wasn't unusual for us when we were there to hear people say, I, I have everything I need. Why do I need God? And the answer to that question, of course, is in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, where our Lord Jesus Christ says, for... What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And so this life will soon be over, and we have an eternal destiny that's before us. And it 
doesn't really matter whether we have two cents or two billion dollars. What matters is whether or not we're ready for the future that lies before us in eternity with God or without Him. And so we want to be prepared for meeting Him. We want to recognize our dependence on Him. We want to rest in Him and not be resting in the material resources that uh, we've accumulated. But as I said, uh, Paul had mastered this. His satisfaction was not dependent on whether he had much or whether he had little. He was able to have very, very little and still be content. He was able to be blessed with much and to still know that he was dependent upon God. And that kind of might make us think about the Apostle Paul. Well, you know, that's fine for him. He's kind of like a superhero. He's got these special powers that the rest of us don't have. And so he's able to be content. But Paul tells us the source of his contentment in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so it wasn't that Paul had some kind of superpowers in and of himself, but he was resting in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ had the power that was necessary to meet the circumstances that he's faced. Sometimes we face challenges in life, and we think, I can't take this. This is too much for me. And when we're in those circumstances and we're thinking that, we're actually 100% right because life is too much. We cannot face life with our own resources. It is too much for us. But we don't have to face life in our own resources. We can turn to Jesus Christ and we can rest fully in him. And he has all of the strength that we need and more. He's able to give us the strength that we need to face the challenges of daily life. And so you're really like the Apostle Paul. The power of Jesus Christ is available to you. And so you also can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we only will look to him, he's able to sustain us in the trials that we face. Now, another thing we can notice in the passage is that Paul's happy about the gift, but he's not primarily happy for his own benefit. He's happy because the gift is going to benefit the Philippians. And so in verse 14, he says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. And then in verse 17, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And so Paul is happy for the fruit that abounds to the Philippians' account. When people here at our church give to the Benevolent Fund or the Faith Promise Fund or the General Fund, that makes me happy. I'm happy partly because that means that uh, we'll be able to help people in our church and community who need help. It, it means that we're going to be able to help missionaries around the world to uh, reach people with the good news about Jesus Christ. It means that we'll be able to continue our ministry here in Zealand, but that's not the only reason I'm happy. I'm also happy because I know that the gift is going to draw the giver closer to God. 
And we can think about that in relation to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. So in Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And um, to help illustrate this, I'd like to have a couple of volunteers, and um, I'm afraid this illustration may have an aspect that could be a little intimidating for some, and so I need a couple of especially brave volunteers, um, or at least not easily intimidated volunteers. And so now that I've managed to scare everybody, and uh, uh, all right, Carrie, please come and give me a hand. Thank you. And, oh, Elise, did you want to come? Okay, Elise, come on up. Thank you. So, well, gentlemen, we have two brave ladies here. Uh, <laughs> so, so, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so we're going to let Elise be the heart, and we're going to let Carrie be the treasure, and so Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so these two things are linked together. And so we're going to link these two together. Okay. There we go. Okay, good job. Okay, and so this means that wherever our heart goes, and our heart moves this way, then our treasure follows along. So uh, we can see that, you know, you just have your heart set on a new boat. And your treasure follows, and you get that new boat. But not only does our treasure follow our heart, but our heart follows our treasure. And so if our treasure goes somewhere, then our heart comes along with it. So if we then... Uh, invest in God's kingdom and say, I want to lay up for myself treasures in heaven, then our hearts are drawn heavenward and our love for God grows as we invest in his kingdom. So uh, let's uh, give these two brave ladies a hand to thank them for their help. I do have the key. All right, let's see if it works. Yeah, that end works. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Thank you, Elise. Appreciate your help. We're thankful to Hank Knabel 
former police chief of Monroe, Michigan, for loaning me his handcuffs this morning. <laughs> well, as we turn our attention back then to Philippians 4, we can notice in verse 19 that Paul is confident that God will supply all of the Philippians' needs. And there are some that interpret this verse as a promise of material well-being. But as we think about what Paul has been saying in this passage, we can kind of sense that that's not the focus of what he's talking about here because he's talked about how he's content to suffer hunger and content to experience abundance and He's not promising that the Philippians will never share in his experience of suffering hunger. But what he's promising is God will meet their deepest needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Christy and I own a beagle named Tucker, and Tucker's primary motivation in life is food. Uh, Tucker thinks that if he could eat all he wanted, that that would make him well and truly happy. And for Christmas this year, um, I bought a couple of chocolate oranges that I wanted to put in Christie's stocking on Christmas Eve, and I hid those chocolate oranges in my closet. And uh, sometime when I wasn't looking, Tucker sniffed out those chocolate oranges. And... He concluded that he desperately needed to have those chocolate oranges right away. And he was wrong. Uh, Chocolate is toxic for dogs. It contains theobromine, which humans can metabolize quickly, but dogs cannot. And uh, as a result, dogs who eat chocolate can experience nausea, diarrhea, muscle tremors, seizures, irregular heartbeat, internal bleeding, or a heart attack. And so Tucker didn't need the chocolate. What he really needed was me uh, to clean up after him (laughs) and uh, to keep an eye on him through the night to make sure that he was okay. And in some ways, I'm a lot like Tucker. There's times when I will see something in this world and I will think I desperately need that thing. And I'm wrong. I don't desperately need the things of this world. What I desperately need is Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ to wash away my sins. I need him to walk beside me through the challenges of daily life. I need him to intercede for me before the throne of God in heaven. I need him to come again and receive me unto himself, that where he is, there I may be also. I need the riches of God's glory through Christ. And praise the Lord, he will indeed supply all of my need. And with that in mind, we can turn our thoughts to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what Jesus Christ has done to meet our deepest need. That when we were lost and separated, with, from God the Father. He gave his body to be broken for us. He gave his blood to be shed for us. 
in order to cleanse us from our sin, in order to reconcile us to God through faith in him. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I'd like to invite the men to come at this time in order to assist me as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together.